Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Oh, I just got distracted. I thought that uh, I thought Joe Biden was stepping to a microphone. That's a video from yesterday. Anyway, I want to share with you over the course of this next segment, next 10 minutes or so, I want to hang out with you and we're going to walk through some of the details, some of the latest information. <clears throat> oh, look, we're starting again. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're learning the buttons back here. Uh, I want to walk through with you some of some of the details, some of what we do know. Uh, we'll look at some of what we don't know, even. Uh, the, the numbers will be less less specific there, I can assure you. Uh, but there are some things uh, that we are waiting for, namely uh, Georgia. You heard uh, during that conversation earlier in the program with Scott Howell that uh, in Georgia there had been some uh, some announcements. Let me uh, just run to my notes here. Oh, this coming from this coming from a Georgia election uh, official, Gabriel Sterling. Quote, we can't know how long the process will take. We can't know how long the process will take. Now, I'll remind you, Georgia right now has uh, 98% of its votes counted and reported outstanding, according to the Secretary of State in Georgia. There are still 47,277 ballots remaining to be counted that election official saying, not sure how long that process will take. They continue again, Gabriel Sterling, quote, we hope to have clarity on the outcomes of these elections as soon as possible. Those are uh, those are some pretty generic statements. You don't get much more generic uh, than that. You don't get much more uh, generic than uh, that. I, I will say that uh, right now in Phoenix, Arizona, there are uh, what I am presuming members of the Trump campaign. I'll ask producer Amy just to, to monitor this. And if there are announcements or any information delivered here, it, it currently, as I, as I watch, it appears to be uh, a, a rally being uh, staffed by, by individuals I don't recognize uh, or know. So I, I share that to say that we are monitoring what is happening in Phoenix, Arizona right now. And should there be uh, any information delivered uh, as far as lawsuits go uh, or anything of substance, we'll bring that to you here on Live, Mike. <clears throat> I mentioned lawsuits. Let me give you a, a quick update on lawsuits. Yesterday, we heard announced by Eric Trump and Rudy Giuliani that there would be uh, some lawsuits filed there. Here's just a, a quick glimpse and a quick taste of what uh, was communicated yesterday by Eric Trump and Giuliani. Here's uh, first the president's son, Eric. With 86% of the precincts in, 86%, and we have Republican votes still coming in from Trump country. And the Democrats know that the only way that they could win this election is to cheat in Pennsylvania. So that was the the that was the the appetizer, and now for the main course, 
Rudy Giuliani took to the microphone and discussed some of the discussed a lawsuit that he'd be filing with the with with Philadelphia specifically. And I'll share with you in a moment. There has been uh, in that Pennsylvania court uh, a decision made on the lawsuit introduced by Giuliani. Hear Giuliani first, and then I'll share with you the update. So we are going to continue the lawsuit here. We're going to bring a second one, and then we're going to bring a federal lawsuit, and we're going to take a very good look at whether. We bring this nationally. We certainly are going to bring it here and in Wisconsin. Quite possibly, we'll do a national lawsuit and really expose the corruption of the Democrat Party. So I can't uh, I can't speak to the lawsuit which he made reference to there in Wisconsin, but I can tell you about one of the three threatened lawsuits in Pennsylvania. One of them dealt with uh, the distance that Republican poll watchers were able to stand uh, in terms of proximity to the main canvassing area in Philadelphia. Before this lawsuit was filed, now now follow me on these numbers here. Uh, Before the lawsuit was filed, the poll watchers, the Republican observers, were required to keep at least 20 feet of distance from the workers in the canvassing area. This specifically at a, a convention center in downtown Philadelphia. The, this, this can be, and in fact, by Jason Miller, a campaign aide uh, for the Trump campaign, uh, he, he describes it as a major legal victory. Uh, he did so on Twitter. Uh, the reality is, and I guess you can call this a major legal victory if you'd like, but the, the, the reality is uh, the 20 feet <clears throat> has now been shrunk down to six feet, right? So the, the lawsuit filed said, hey, listen, there's not adequate transparency here because uh, there, we have to stand too far away. We can't see what's happening there on those ballots. And the court said, okay, uh, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of reason to that. Why don't you get yourself here within six feet away? And so six feet now is the, uh, is the distance from the poll workers or the, the vote tabulators that members of the Trump campaign, uh, Republicans, are able to, are able to stand. So that's that. Now, uh, there's another lawsuit filed in Michigan. Uh, this one had to do with, well, actually it was a request from the Trump campaign to halt uh, vote counting. And this is just one of many lawsuits. All right. So it's going to be, you know, if you are curious about this, it's going to be drawn out for some time exactly, you know, what ends up the result of uh, each of these various lawsuits. But this one, uh, a Michigan one, was an effort by the Trump campaign to uh, to halt the counting of ballots so that the, those same observers referenced in the uh, Pennsylvania lawsuit, the Philadelphia lawsuit, could then be granted, quote, meaningful access to vote counting locations throughout the state. Now, meaningful access, uh, that, I bet you, is, well, first off, it's, it's a legal term. In the description of what poll watchers are able to do, it is contained this phrase, meaningful access, that they ought to be granted meaningful access. Now, uh, ask yourself uh, and think about, you know, a debate around the kitchen table. What exactly does meaningful access uh, mean? You know, you can interpret that uh, a number of ways. It's one of the downsides of vagaries in statute. When there is room for interpretation, uh, depending on how it suits you, it will be interpreted a number of different ways. So here, here's a prediction of mine, and it's a you know here, it's a pretty obscure prediction, but I bet you that in states around the country, that meaningful access, that phrase uh, where it comes up, will be tailored uh, some, and maybe a, a more specific definition of meaningful access will find its way onto the state law books around this great country. Anyway. <clears throat> 
How do you respond to these lawsuits when you, when you hear about when you hear about these tactics being used by the president's campaign? How how does it how does it strike you? How does it strike you? I've been torn. I have confidence in the justice system. I have confidence in the electoral system. And where those two systems and institutions intersect, I have confidence in their ability to, uh, to, to work well with one another. Now, with that said, uh, it was a bit troublesome to hear, uh, to hear uh, Giuliani yesterday speaking in the tones that he chose to use. Because the truth is, in terms of the effectiveness of the lawsuit, him making that public statement as opposed to delivering privately uh, to the court his suit, uh, it would make no effective difference. And so you have to ask yourself, what would be the motivation for a public statement? And, you know, I won't speculate and get try to get inside the head of Rudy Giuliani, but I think that in terms of the judicial process and the electoral process, a bit more integrity may have been at least perceived integrity maintained if that had been just a quiet filing of a document instead of the public display, which we saw yesterday. Uh, I want to share with you, if I have time later in the program, some additional reactions uh, from members of both parties to the filing of lawsuits and specifically to some of the claims of fraud made uh, uh, by the president's team. Adam Kinzinger, a Republican from Illinois, Chris Christie, you've heard from uh, the former governor of New Jersey and close Trump ally, uh, all of them, Michael Bolton, uh, all of them at one time very close allies to the president. Michael Bolton obviously has his unique relationship with the president, but uh, uh, Chris Christie and Ken- Kinzinger uh, really have no reason to be at odds with the president, and yet they're speaking out pretty strongly. Anyway, uh, we'll set that aside. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, with Evan McMullen, former GOP policy director, uh, independent presidential candidate, and now my guest ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, You need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.